0: Hello and welcome to Helpline In Focus. This is an extension of our weekly helpline that's here to support parents when it all gets a bit challenging. My name's Siobhan Hunt. I'm based in Sydney. And uh, yes, this week we've been told that we will be in lockdown until at least the end of August. That's another four weeks. And so I have called in my fairy godmother. Parenting educator and author Maggie Dent. She's here to help me and you <laughs> because none of this is easy. Um, hello, Maggie. How are
1: you? Hello. Hi, Chef. And you're right. Didn't we kind of like, we kind of knew it was coming, mm. but really when we hear it, and then I think today with the numbers going up so much, it was like, oh, it's like, it like a bit of a that. kick in the guts.
0: It is a bit of a kick in the guts. Now, look, I have to say before we start, um, we are asking people if they'd like to ask you a question or if they'd like to pop a comment in, please do so below in the comments, um, because otherwise I am going to hog all the time <laughs> that we have getting Maggie to help me. So uh, on that note, oh, actually, before we get to that, I have to start by talking about something actually good. And that is your new book. Parental as anything. Congratulations.
1: Oh, look, thanks, um, Chevy. And what was really interesting is when the ABC came and asked me, I wasn't, I kind of wasn't sold on the idea because I thought, look, you listen to a podcast, you know, you get the ideas. And then I listened to a couple myself and thought, now what was it I thought was really good on that podcast? Because I'd forgotten <laughs> it. And I thought, oh, <clears throat> so if we multiply that for busy parents around a mixture of topics that are going to come up at some point. Yeah, maybe having a bit of it in one little book is is actually not a bad idea. And it was funny as I was writing it, every now and then I came across an absolute golden nugget that I'd completely forgotten and it was my podcast. So <laughs> I'm kind of glad it's in a book now because I'm busy being a nanny as well as being, you know, a mum to all my beautiful grown up boys.
0: Oh, well, it's, it's fabulous. So you can never have enough Maggie out there, whether it's in a podcast or a book. Um, but, yes, I am sure there are going to be lots of people wanting to talk to you, Maggie. So I'm going to stick my question in first. Go for it. Because I can. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you are a big, uh, big champion of boys. And I have a little boy who's seven, who is the most gorgeous thing on earth, of course, because he's my son. But I want to know how but- much- <laughs> I've been homeschooling him, Maggie. That's the big but. And God love him. He can't sit still to write a sentence. He's jumping up off the chair. He's wriggling around. Uh, and it is really hard to get him to focus. So how do I manage that?
1: Because okay. He's
0: in, year, he's in year one now. So he's seven. Yeah. yeah. And he was in kinder last year. So he's, he's missed out on a bit of that whole reading stuff.
1: Yeah okay so knowing that um um, a high percentage statistically significant number of boys are still biologically wired to need more movement than girls um and then um i love the way you were saying he doesn't sit still and he's up and he's moving you know sometimes we need to let them stand while they work or we let them lay on the floor while they work and they roll around and so in other words they are (laughs) they're doing the movement it doesn't you know what, if we have an image that says when we're doing remote learning, they need to be sitting down like a desk, then we're creating a problem. So one of the gifts that came from last year's lockdown was the neurodivergent kids or the kids that, <clears throat> or the boys that are restless, which would run around the house and then come back and finish a line or two. So in other words, they were actually able to complete it um, because they were allowed more freedom of movement. So essentially, it's not so much focus as the movement helps his focus. But you know what boys do? I love them. And they did the same when I was teaching them in high school. I completely forget what you want them to do. What, what, <laughs> what is that? Like what was that? You know, so, so sometimes, um, and it's a bit tricky, because at seven, he's not reading, but you might need to kind of um, have some visual cues about what he may need to be doing. Like it's Draw a circle around something. If you can print something off rather than leave it on a screen, because of course that's where most of the learning's taking place, um, so that he can see it in chunks. If you give too big a picture to boys, their eyes glaze over and they don't know where to start. And it's a really good thing if you've got boys um, older as well. And it's one of those things that um, I learnt. <laughs> Uh, even though I was really good at communicating, explaining the requirements of an assessment task to boys and girls, um, and I stepped the steps on the whiteboard, you know, like I knew they'd forget. So I put it up there and then I'd say, Now, does anyone have any questions? And I guarantee it, about three or four of the boys put their hand up and said, So what do you want us to do, miss? <laughs> like they almost need to have it said all over again. So sometimes, clarity around what is the task and if we can chunk it into smaller bits and also let him do a little chunk maybe five or ten minutes and then go for a feral run around and do whatever and then come back in another ten minutes it might work because he's still only seven Mm. yep and you know so therefore what we're looking at is getting it complete not how it's complete how long it takes to complete it because that's often a story we're telling ourselves because we we're probably well-behaved, compliant little girls.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course.
1: <laughs> and, of course, that's not necessarily the story for how all learning. And also that's that message over the top of it, um, Siobhan, is uh, stressed brains don't learn well. So, um, you know, that is our challenge and we're going to touch on a few different aspects of stressed parents also don't function very well. Um, <laughs> And when you put stressed parents trying to work from home while supervising uh, in a pandemic ah, with an uncertain ending, well, hello, we've all stressed. And that's why sometimes we have to put the guilt stick down, lower our expectations and just take each day with the best intention we have um, to get as much done as we can. You know, like, because I seriously, my challenge is that it's when we get in cycles of belting ourselves up and feeling really guilty because you're sure everyone else is doing heaps more than you are, or their house is tidy, or they've got the sourdough, whatever, you know, right? <laughs> Hello. You just have it delivered.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's deliver
1: it. Yeah. Uber eats three times a day just so you can get enough good coffee. Whatever it is, don't beat yourself up. Yeah. You know, that's a really, really important thing for us to keep in mind, because on the arousal state, which is one of the chapters I talk about with Stuart Shanker, we're all good at number four, right? That's calm, focused and alert. And us grown-ups can normally get ourselves back to that number. But if we're starting to get stressed, we go, gosh, I think I need some water, um, a coffee, Tim Tam. The healthy people like you, of course, go and do a few downward dogs, do breathing, <laughs> mindfulness, you know, um, hyperventilated nuts, whatever it is you need to do, <laughs> hyperventilated, nuts. whatever those ones are. But you know <laughs> what I mean? Some of us do healthy things, some don't. But what we do is we get back to four because we've made some extra neurochemicals that counteract the cortisol. But our kids can't do that and neither can our teens. So every now and then that's our job is to be, We are the neurotransmitter source, technically, in the home as the grown-up, and we've got to really take some deep breaths and recognise. Hang on, this isn't working. How can I create some positive neurochemicals now? Mm. So maybe it means I'm going to run around the house acting like a dinosaur, or you're singing, you know, let it go, let it go, whatever it is, to reset everybody's back to number four because. We're all nicer then, but we all learn better then. And I think it's that thing every now and then. We're not doing anything wrong. What we're doing is a really unnatural thing for working parents particularly or parents who've lost their jobs or parents who now are, you know, absolutely going into, what are we going into, five week five or something? Like, we're really seriously sick of this. Mm. Um, However, we're powerless to change it. And that's the other thing that's making us all crabby. We don't have control and our brain likes predictability and control. So if that's also giving a few of us a clue that I need to look at what I can control Mm. so that my brain says, oh, gee, we're not completely powerless. And I think in the last lockdown, I mentioned I was doing exactly the same three things every morning that I was I start with a cup of tea, I make my bed and I always clean my teeth right and I made sure those three things happened every morning so I can't tell myself I'm out of control and I don't have any control I might have stayed in my pjs a lot um, (laughs) with no bra um, and that's okay because it wasn't the three things I had chosen to control so does that that give us a few
0: it does and I'm I'm gonna ask a question here from Helena on Facebook she says have you got any tips for kids not sharing and fighting more in lockdown? Two boys aged five and nearly three haven't started school yet. Uh, tips on how to deal with as the don't hurt your brother, no hitting, no kicking isn't working. Oh dear. Okay,
1: <clears throat> Now you do realise three and five, they don't have much of a prefrontal cortex. And the prefrontal cortex is what we need to recognise um, empathy Uh, how my behaviour impacts on others, uh, poor choices. In other words, you've got two little cute, sweet, divine little boys who are highly impulsive and who actually think that the way they express their affection for each other is through physicality. So the wrestling, the jumping on top of, the slapping, the chasing, the shoving, uh, all of that is actually a form of play. That's not necessarily intended to be hurtful, but sometimes it is. So if I encourage you to sort of. Um, you can probably print this off on either my um, my website or probably my uh, Facebook page. The three rules. If you can keep that on the fridge, that you want to try them not to hurt themselves, and try not to hurt each other, and try not to damage the world around you. They're the basic three rules. And that there's a difference between unintended and intentional. And that's a really, that's about as big as you can get. Okay, go back one more step. I would recommend can you get a special box or a container where each boy puts things that are special to them that they don't want their sibling to have to touch and without permission. Now you do realize you'll probably, you know, have a stick um, <laughs> or something weird. That is really (laughs) special. (laughs) Um, And so that's one thing because quite often what triggers it is they don't know what is another child's special thing. So that can help. Always recognize that around 20 minutes is about the time frame for that age group to be able to sustain play before their energy systems get out of kilter before, um, yeah, they'll start making even more poor choices. So it's a really, it's about 20 minutes. So keep that in mind that at that point, bring in some um, snacks, good quality fruit snacks, whatever, or throw the dog in on them or go outside or you do something else to reset them and then you might get another 20 minutes. But we just have to recognise at three and five, well, all that little boys want to do is make each other laugh And often that's with incredibly uh, inappropriate toilet stuff. They want to fart on each other. They think it's hilarious. Mm. Um, They want to do things like jumping a lot. So if you're in an apartment, you might need to put the mattress on the floor so they can keep doing their jumping. Um, You need to know that they're going to need to move to help them not get crabby at each other even more than normal. But most of it, absolutely, sibling stuff is 100% normal because they're both competing for limited resources from their parents. Um, and there's only a certain amount of love, affection and attention that we can actually give each child. So you can see that it's a it's a very normal developmental thing, but you will find it triggers you more if you are tired and you're struggling. So, again, prioritizing all families enough sleep. So. It sounds really crazy, but we do know that without a good night's sleep, everything escalates the next day. So if you have little ones who used to be sleeping in their own bed, who are now wanting to get in bed with you, that is, this is not a time to retrain them back into their own bed because the world is scary. You might not think you're um, more stressed and crabby. They pick it up. They hear the news you're locked in you know like technically even though you're allowed out for fresh air etc for a short period of time and within a certain radius they know something scary is happening so they will regress a little in terms of sleep so make sure you're prepared for that rather than thinking this is i'm going to put my foot down they should be sleeping in their own bed now we'll work that out once we're out the other side of this
0: it's so interesting <laughs> so much resonating and it's not even my question. (laughs) Here's a question from Belinda on Facebook. She said, any tips on handling perfectionism and meltdowns with kids, particularly in lockdown? My five and a half year old is generally pretty chilled, but since the last Melbourne lockdown has had lots of big feelings, particularly when she doesn't do it perfect when doing schoolwork, rips it up and then has a meltdown. Hard to help her when working full-time.
1: Yeah, that's really tricky. So perfectionism can be a sign of anxiety, which is obviously what you've already identified. Excuse me, I do a cough. And you're exactly right that how she is channeling her energy is she has created a perception or a like a habit or a behavior that she's now adopting that she wants to make sure it's perfect and it's even better so sometimes we find um, children do that because they don't feel enough control in other areas of their life if that makes sense so autonomy is about us having freedom to make choices well what she's doing is choosing to make her her work and her homework like the thing that helps to define who she feels about herself so it's like a child who um, you know, will be determined to keep trying to do a monkey bar until she gets it. When she's decided that's going to help her feel who she is. So my challenge around that is, um, you know, we re- we really do have to have conversations with them around it's okay to be not perfect. It's okay for good enough. And I think you can have a chat about you know why I keep talking about you can't be a perfect parent. And tell your beautiful daughter that, you know, you can't be a perfect parent because it's impossible. Um, You try, but you can't, but you are good enough. And I think that's what we want to say to her is that being good enough and putting effort into it is enough for us to move on to the next task. Because what happens when we want to do it perfectly and we keep ripping it up, every time we rip it up, we have to invest all that energy into putting it back down on it. So what we're doing is tiring ourselves out and exhausting ourselves. And we need to save that energy, um, not only to get the rest of our work done, but save that energy so we've got energy to play afterwards or we've got energy to have a fabulous bath time and sing some songs. Or does that make sense? So that when we put too much energy into one cup, we can become exhausted with it. Um, And one of the things we say, uh, another thing around, I can't get it perfect, one of the words we want to put in every now and then is it's around I can't do it, is I can't do it yet. So just keep popping that in sometimes that um, as we grow older, our capacity to complete things at a higher level tends to improve. And that's another message for the kids with perfectionism, that sometimes we know it's a form of anxiety. Um, And so if you know that in that moment, she's also feeling, (laughs) it means she also needs some help to get back to number four. So I would just give her a chance, have a break, um give her a, a lovely, you know, big fresh glass of water and a nice crunchy apple or banana and a na 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 And reset her so that she's actually got more energy to do it as well. Or possibly um, one thing I do a lot of with children, and I've done it from children as young as three is We need to visualize that we've done it um, in as as positive a way as possible. So sometimes getting them to close their eyes before they start the task and letting their brain see they complete it in a way that feels good, it often helps them complete it in a way that makes them feel good, especially under seven. They've got the most amazing, you know, imaginations. And I found that often took the uh, pressure on the physical putting on paper backwards a bit because I've already imagined it, so my brain will help me create it. Hope all those things help.
0: Oh, yeah, there's a lot there. Thank you. Uh, This one comes from Kate on Facebook. My daughter is in kindergarten and has just turned six. She's managing homeschooling fine, but some nights the past week, week five in Sydney, she's getting really upset about missing being at school and her friends. Any suggestions on helping yeah. her manage these feelings?
1: Definitely. And that's a really natural response because, you know, hello, um, all, we're all missing our friends, <laughs> yes. missing out the people we want to hang out with, you know, all of the things that help put ju- joy and juice into our cup. Because we're social beings. So, being very first thing, any of your children express some, um, you know, of their big feelings, um, whether it's feeling anxious or worried or scared, please don't invalidate it by saying, We'll be we fine, everything's okay. It's nothing to worry about, because right now it is valid for them. So, the first thing is to say, I know it isn't really tough and it, we we can miss our friends can't we and then we've got to look at how can i give my daughter some agency to make her feel she can connect so obviously there's opportunities in a digital context but i would also look at let's draw a picture for each of your friends and let's write a little note and let's just get ready to pop it in the post you know the old fashioned thing because it's amazing how different that is when you receive something Or second, help them get the child on the phone and hear their voice. Even better if you can do FaceTime or Skype, but actual connect. So say, look, you know, let's have a connect a couple of times a week, you know, prioritize it. It's so funny. Sometimes they they get so sort of stage struck. They don't say much. They just stare at each other. (laughs) Yes, it's so sweet. But that's enough right? So what we do is we identify it, we validate it, and it is tough, and yet we will get back eventually. However, let's work out how we can solve the problem. So we can do some things, we can post them, or we can actually talk to them or have a, um, you know, digital conversation so they feel like they've seen each other.
0: Can I tell you, Maggie, that my daughter, my nine-year-old daughter, her friends have set up this FaceTime call they do it nearly every night at six o'clock, always on my phone <laughs> and she'll run off into a room and they're playing games and they're making up things yeah. and they're playing like they would. I mean, it's pretty incredible to see it happen. Yeah. And I definitely know that that is filling her cup because they're such good mates of hers. Yes. Then you yes. look at my son who's seven, he's had FaceTime with his friends where they just play computer games. Yeah
1: it's like absolutely fine and
0: they're both like this
1: yeah on the same show but I they, know but it works for them right absolutely and we really need to look at um our previous boundaries around you know digital connection we need to soften them a little as long as they're not creating problems for bedtime you know that still needs oh, yeah. to be a number one priority and I love it I mean we know for teens it's even more important Um, And I know there have been some great ideas that we're seeing online. They're having kind of, everyone gets a pizza delivered at a certain time. They're all having a Zoom pizza party. Um, You know, all of them all hanging around, chatting and talking about what work they've done and what's going on or, you know what I mean? And we need to be okay with those things because it's fundamentally important that there are some things we can't fill in our teenagers' cups that only comes from connection from their own age group. And being able to, there are so many ways they do it. So they don't all have to be online gaming in groups. It is one of the options for sure. Um, And we also know that there are some things on social media that actually help. And there's also quite a bit that doesn't. And the more stressed they are, the more likely they'll make poor choices. Um, And it's also around nighttime where the prefrontal lobe comes offline so that impulsivity and poor choices often is at night which is also when they misread stuff so you've really got to monitor the moods of them and sort of get them help them to work out which of your friends lift your spirit you know and make you feel you know okay and make you laugh or whatever and I do love it when they um they send crazy um crazy antics and crazy pictures but also sometimes a link to a funny cat and dog video that you've missed I think that's really important, you know, that sort of stuff.
0: It lightens it, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, look, I do want to ask a question that has been on my mind for a long time. (laughs) And you sort of touched on it before, I think. Um, Parents who are juggling work and remote learning, you said, you know, it's kind of an impossible ask, isn't it? I feel like um, when I'm doing that, I can't finish a thought. Like I, I feel, I feel like I'm in the middle of something and then I'm concentrating on something else. I've never been, I mean, I'm a multitasker from way back, but I have never felt so scattered as I do trying to teach my kids one year one, one in year four. What can parents do to, um, alleviate that pressure And that thing you were saying about feeling, beating yourself up, like I'm constantly thinking everybody else is doing a better job than me. (laughs)
1: Let me give you a tip. No one is. (laughs) No one is, seriously, because it's actually an impossible ask. The very thought that you could put in an effective eight hours of work while um, supervising, keeping your kids okay, feeding them, keeping your own self and, and doing whatever you have to, that's just in the middle of something highly stressful so we're in a traumatic event that's extending itself so um, our brain is in scan mode all the time um, because it's a bit like there's a saber-toothed tiger just ready to eat us it's a little bit like that and we can't take our foot completely off that because it is something that has a potential to kill so we can't just tell it to turn off and that will improve our brain so that's the first reason we're a bit more scattered um, the second reason is a really important one. There are two things that make our brain even more foggy, Siobhan, uh, and that's a lack of good old water because a dehydrated brain is really foggy. And even though we think coffee is going to do it um, or possibly a glass of wine at later in the night, that doesn't rehydrate the brain. So you've got to go to water. The second one, too, is we are um, in- under pressure. We run out of glucose. The best thing for the brain is natural glucose, of course, which is apples and pears and things like that. Damn,
0: I thought you were going to say jelly babies. No,
1: but that's what I'm going to come to. Because we can't eat constantly apples and pears all day, we need to, you know, when it's foggy, not just before it is foggy. If it's not foggy, (laughs) you don't need the lolly. But a slow you know, uh, uh, something we can tuck into our cheek that, you know, is very slow to suck on, that can re-get your brain going, which is a really important thing. Okay, now let's go back to um, letting out, prioritise, if you're working from home, you need to prioritise the order of importance of some of your work. And you need to look at where are the areas that I might have a Zoom chat with a few of my team, that it won't matter if one of my kids comes in and sits on my lap. And I think we've really softened around that, haven't we? Because we know if we try and shut the door to a toddler, they're going to scream the house down for three hours and you won't get a thing done. Um, And that's going to make you feel even more lousy. So that's the first thing. And if you're lucky enough to have a co-parent, um, one of the strategies we suggest is that um, you get a very special large T-shirt that has DP on it, which is designated parent. <laughs> so for an hour and a half block, there is the designated parent that the children ask the endless questions of where everything is and why can't and how do you do that? And it's got my stuff, all that. You're the, you're the peacemaker. The other parent is in, in the room doing their most serious work that will not be interrupted. So you've got an, an hour and a half block of effective stuff. Then you come out, morning teaser, catch up, kids see you, you top up the refreshments and you can swap your T-shirt over. That means there is a block of the most serious work you can't be interrupted. And, <clears throat> and then sometimes it's, um, oh, it's not so bad around this, I should be able to get that done with. And you can take a designated parent T-shirt off if you have to. Now, for the solo parents, it's a very different thing. And I'm going to say um, this applies probably that there are times that you have got something important to do for your work and you need to say to your children, whatever age it is, um, this is a time frame that I am going to need to know. So I need to know in the 15 minutes beforehand, what do I need to do to get you set up? If you have more than one child, the older child becomes the acting designated parent in, in loop. And sometimes they can really step up. An older sibling can step up because I find that kids of solo parents have already stepped up. They're used to stepping up. They know it's important to help the whole family. Um, And if they didn't, this is a time to learn it, right? And then off you go. But once again, be realistic that you can probably do half hour chunks without checking that they haven't, you know, burnt the house down or hurt themselves. You know, those sorts of things. If there's something else that's come up and they're a bit ratty, plonk them in front of your TV and put them in front of an ABC program uh, with no advertisements where they can't access pornography and let it be, right? Preferably a program they've seen before or a cartoon they love like Bluey because what they'll do, it feels familiar. So they feel safe. Um, they, their brain doesn't have to predict what's going to happen because they've already seen it. And quite often they'll play in the company of what's going on Cause it feels like someone's with them. yeah, And you can, you can get up to it, you know, whatever you need and do not beat yourself up. If your children have had to sit there for some days for three or four hours so that you do enough work to so it, that you're earning enough money to pay for their food. Mm. You know, at the end of the day, this is a different time and we need to stop that sense of, Oh, will they, will they be behind for life? Well, what we've actually noticed is it wasn't really a significant drop last year. Um, of our kids so all of those who are coming from home uh, and doing their learning from home actually didn't go backwards yeah we thought they would but because what you have to recognize Siobhan in a school day of six hours you're lucky if you do three hours of effective learning you got yeah. recess lunch organised move around you got this and you got that and there's assemblies and Sorry, you crunch it all down and then break it into chunks. You can see that you can actually chunk it and get most of it done in the morning when the brain's more efficient anyway, which means the afternoon can be, let's get it all out the road so that there's more space for this, you know, and keep remembering that exercise and fresh air resets brains faster than anything. So the 10-minute walk around the block, um, that's going to reset everyone, including um, grumpy parents. Um, the fresh air, the green restores us. Um, It's immediately, it works every single time. If you've got a dog, even better. If you haven't, pretend you've got one. Drag (laughs) one of the kids' teddy bears around, anything you like to do. Um, Maybe if you've got younger children, you know, get some more of the chalks out and draw on the footpaths again. I'd like to see more teddy bears in the window. Let's give our kids agency on how can we cheer up not only our home, but how can we cheer up our neighbourhood like we did last time? And I think that's another important thing to know. Um, I, I put something up um, today on my Facebook page from a lovely lady called Dan, what's her name? Um, Deb Dana, and she's written a fabulous book based on the polyvagal theory. And we talk in resilience about stressors on one side and protective factors on the other, which are the things that nurture and protect us, which for when you're in lockdown, most of those have been removed. So Siobhan, you're not able to go to your yoga classes Oh, yep. yeah, I am. Yeah. You are online?
0: Online. Online you can. About, that's what I was going to say. You
1: can't shed. do it in the group. It's not quite the same. But no. we know they're online. You can do anything online almost. You just need to create that space. This is for me. But if you love going for, you know, that particular gym class where you did whatever that you can't do from home, you're missing that. If you have a regular catch up with your girlfriends, you can't do that. If you drop over to your mums, because that's where you fill up your cup. Do you get what I mean? Whatever it is. So we push those off. So therefore, you've got less protective factors, more stressors. And we need to realize we're human. But this lady in the book, she calls them glimmers. Glimmers are the things that put joy back into us. And that's exactly why we went and grew vegetables last time and cooked pikelets and pancakes and did home baking a bit more. We need to revisit that again. We need to revisit what were the things that we did as a family that we can look back on fondly and prioritize those into the day map that we work out. So let's try and get schoolwork done. And what should we do there? Shall we have a game of Monopoly? Shall we watch a movie together? So in other words, the glimmers in amongst the tough stuff helps everyone to get through. Um, and we're teaching our kids that when hard things happen, um, you still have to look for glimmers to put in it. You know, and sometimes you know if you've got a gorgeous boy who has a cheeky sense of humour, trust me. They can glimmer you up with lots of funny jokes, knock knock jokes, you know, yeah. what the chicken crossed the road jokes, any jokes at all, because humor lifts us up. Now,
0: yeah. I'm, we're over time, but I want oh, to throw yeah. in one last question. Erin on Facebook has popped one in for you. She says, Hi, Maggie, my eight year old boy, who is usually pretty easygoing, has started becoming more defiant, whining more, crying more, etc., in this lockdown. I also have two other boys aged six who is usually quite emotional and three, so it can be tough to manage. Would love some advice. We are trying as much as possible to get outside for exercise and connect him with friends. Thank you.
1: Yeah, so remember I talked about number four on the um, arousal state? Well, when we lose energy, we become whingy, whiny. Yep, so what he's doing is losing his energy. So we've got to look at ways that we can pick his energy up and that's working it out with him. It might be different than what it is for his other brothers. And I'd love you to look at um, the five languages of love and double check what are the main ways that you fill his love cup up. And I love it if you can sit with him as a metaphor and say, can you tell me what, um, you know, if you've got mum and dad or whoever you've got co-parenting, what can we do to fill your love cup up to make it feel more loved? And I have a blog about micro connections. So what it is rather, because you're busy and frantic and scattered around, you don't have as much time for macro connection. So sometimes it's, do I ruffle his hair? Do I do knuckles? Do I punch his arm? Do I tread on his foot? Do I, um, you know, what is it that I can do, including introducing a new bedtime ritual that makes him feel more loved in a world that's more chaotic? And, and obviously, every single child. The more child, that children feel loved, the more secure they feel. And that's his his world is wobbling, and he's needing a little bit more to be put in there. But we need to make sure we're putting the stuff in that works. And sometimes it's just winking a bit, <laughs> or smiling. And um, you know, the simplest things we we forget to do them because we have less energy for maintaining and surviving ourselves. So. We really need to keep reaffirming to our kids in terms of resilience that the way we get through tough times is together. And it's not just our families, it's how can we help all of our neighbours and families and friends, how can we all help each other to get through this because that is exactly how Mother Nature intended it. You You weren't meant to do it alone and we are biologically wired to survive anything.
0: Maggie, I feel so much better I know it was for everyone else, but I feel great. So thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank for- you. And a huge, big, enormous Maggie hug to everybody.
0: Oh, so good to talk to you, Maggie. And forgive
1: yourself for the not so perfect moments and celebrate the ones where you work, where it works. Get it,
0: well, get it right. Well, thank you. And uh, just to let everyone know, Maggie has very generously offered some free resources for folks in lockdown. So you'll find links to those in the notes of this episode or in the comments in the Facebook Live, as well as, of course, a link to her book Parental as Anything. And if you're after some specific advice on something like how to settle a baby or manage a toddler tantrum, you can try Babyology's online platform, the Parent School, where you can connect with an expert that will help you with your specific problem. We'll be back next week, and every week until this lockdown ends, with different experts. Unfortunately, we can't have Maggie every <laughs> week, although I would love that. Maggie, thank you so much. For thank your you time. so much. Bye. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at parentbrand.com.au. See you next time.